This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found financial tech and the Guide Rock Capital Management Weekly Commentary for the week of May 13th, 2013. Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. And of course, we post the show each week, including the written commentary from Andrew out at the AverageGuy.tv. Financial Tech brings you the latest market commentary from the award-winning Andrew Hunt, CFP and president of Guide Rock Capital Management, located right here in Omaha, Nebraska. If you'd like to receive a free copy of the written commentary in advance, just send us an email, Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com and put subscribe in the subject, shoot, put anything in the subject. Just let Andrew know you want to subscribe to it. And if you have questions or comments that we can read or answer on the show, you can just send us an email, same address, Andrew underscore Hunt at GuideRockCapital.com. Of course, you can find us both on Twitter. I am at Jay Collison, and Andrew is at Andrew D. Hunt. Andrew, another great week at Gallup. It's another great week to see you. How are you doing uh, this evening, and what do you have for us? You know, I'm great, Jim. I just had a bowl of uh, some delicious ice cream, so nice. Nice I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to do a podcast. So, well, you know, there's been uh, there's been an old adage uh, goes something like this: it says, "Sell in May and go away." Uh, it was a maxim, which, according to Investopedia, encourages investors to sell his or her stock holdings in May and get back into the equity markets um, in November. Well, those who adhered to that old adage may be pondering averages and exceptions right now because during the first two weeks of the month, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Standard & Poor's 500, and the Russell 2000 all reached new highs. Uh, the Dow passed 15,000, the S&P reached, reached 1,600, and the Russell uh, 2000 hit 968. Uh, bulls are in the majority among investors. Um, there are there is some bearish sentiment out there. Uh, there's a bull and bear wise index that measures that sentiment, and that's where that uh, some of that bearish sentiment is coming from. Um, expectations are changing maybe a little bit, and uh, that could be reflected in the CN, uh, CNN Money's Fear and Greed Index. Um, that index showed that investor sentiment has shifted from free fear one year ago to extreme quote unquote extreme greed last week uh, that's pretty interesting <laughs> a pretty interesting metric uh, so this index the premise of it uh, measures seven indicators um, and it, it it's based on the fact there the idea that investors are driven primarily by two emotions fear and greed and when investors are fearful stock markets may fall more than they should and when investors are greedy markets may be pushed higher than they should be that's uh, kind of interesting uh, investors' inclinations towards stocks may be one of the reasons for declines in the value of gold and commodities last week. And frankly, there wasn't really a lot of economic news last week, uh, but what little there was was positive. Uh, the Labor, Labor Department announced uh, the number of Americans filing initial claims for jobless benefits dropped unexpectedly. Approximately 323,000 people filed for unemployment benefits, which, believe it or not, was about the same number that filed each week before the recession um, back in December 2007. So pretty interesting uh, to look, take a look at that. Perceived economic strength in the U.S the US dollar to gain uh, against many of the 16 major world economies, uh, major world currencies last week, excuse me, as well as 24 emerging currencies tracked by Bloomberg.com. 
So lots of stuff going on in the markets last week. Um, pretty interesting. So changing gears a little bit, I wanted to talk a little bit about this question. Maybe you've thought about it with your significant other. Maybe you've thought about it uh, on your own. But where will you live during retirement? Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing to ponder. You know, maybe maybe it's someplace close to grandkids. Maybe it's someplace close to a favorite vacation spot. I know that's that's what comes to mind for me right away. Um, but perhaps you want to take a moment and also consider the tax implications of your decision. Um, if your grandkids live in Alaska, Nevada, Wyoming, Mississippi, or Georgia, you're probably okay. <laughs> Each year, Kiplinger.com reviews the tax rules of each of the 50 states, and they give special consideration to states which offer attractive tax incentives to retirees and provides a list of those states it deems most tax-friendly. Uh, for 2012, Kip Clear uh, mentioned those five states above that I just mentioned here were the most tax-friendly. It's kind of interesting. They also reported the least tax-friendly, and those included Connecticut, Vermont, Rhode Island, Montana, and Minnesota. And uh, each one of those have one or more of the following, and this is what made them not very tax-friendly. They either had estate or inheritance taxes, high property taxes, no tax breaks on Social Security benefits, or no special treatment for various types of retirement income. You know, I think the bottom line is no matter where you set, settle, it's really important to evaluate all the factors um, that you know you, that that's good, that are going to affect your retirement income. It's a big deal, and it turns out when you're on a fixed income, it's an even more big deal than you think. So here's a quote for the week. This is from Oscar Wilde, the Irish writer and poet. Every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. Very nice, Andrew. Let me ask you a couple questions uh, on the tax question. How do you see the state of Nebraska? Some of some of our listeners are here. You know, we live in the state of Nebraska. Indeed. How, how do we rank in that? Are we kind of middle of the road? Are we on the, towards the top, towards the bottom? Where, where do you think we stand? You know, good question. I, and, you know, I'm not a, a tax expert by any means, so this is merely just my speculation. But I do I do travel around quite a bit and end up engaging uh, folks quite a bit when we talk about uh, taxes in their particular states. Now, of course, federal tax is the same across all 50 states. That should go without saying, but I, I, I think uh, we should clear that up a little bit. So when we start thinking about things like property taxes, um, estate or inheritance taxes that are germane to the jurisdiction that you're in, you know, Nebraska has really high property tax. Uh, we pay a very, very significant levy. I know I live um, in Omaha proper. I live in Douglas County. And um, I think my tax levy on my on my real estate is about 2.7%. It's very, very steep. Uh, whereas in Chicago, some of my clients in Chicago, uh, their tax levy is more like 1.5%. Uh, so a drastic difference um, in property tax. Now, on the, on the other hand, Chicago's got a 10% sales tax. Um, so you kind of add that in and you kind of weigh it. Um, ultimately, states have to derive revenues from something. Um, it's just really where they choose to get that and how it affects our pocketbooks at the end of the day. Yeah, so maybe a good indicator is to look how the state, each state spends its money and how frugal they are with it. Because, right, they've got to get the pool from somewhere, whether that's, whether that's taxing you when you buy, you know, when you buy goods or getting it out of the property. Uh, take a look and see how much those states spend. In a state like Nebraska, we're a big state. We have a lot of real estate here and not a lot of people. That's right. Know, in it. So the road's got to get built, you know, somehow. And those things right. have to get paid somehow. Andrew, last question I want to ask you. Um, you know, we're seeing some similar conditions uh, today in the market. 
that we maybe saw in 2007 before, you know, for the beginning of that meltdown. Are there things that you see that are similar or are there things that you see are vastly different than those two scenarios? You know, we had a little bit of a market run up right before that began, you know, the walls came down on that. Do you see any similarities or any differences that uh, that you want to highlight? Yeah, that's a good question, Jim. I think um, I think two things. We have to kind of pull ourselves back and remember what drives stock pricing, right? When we look at the fundamentals of increasing prices, increasing values for stocks, we have to remember that stock price um, is a leading indicator of what we expect to happen in the future with that particular company. So, you know, if a stock is trading at $10 a share, we assume that um, within the next period, we would understand whether or not it's really worth that $10 a share. And stock price is driven by earnings, uh, profit, if you will. A company's value, ultimately, after all the accounting uh, smoke and mirrors are completed, uh, ultimately, it comes down to did you or did you not make money? Um, and over the last five years, companies have gotten really, really, really good at making money with less. Uh, less people, less inputs, more reliance on technology. And so I think some of this, uh, this run-up in the stock market is probably justified because companies are profitable. Um, however, uh, we always have to step back a little bit and say, hey, uh, when these justified earnings uh, you know, uh, start to run out, <laughs> when, we, when we don't see as much innovation, when we don't see uh, as much profit, um, or, or maybe when firms are fairly valued, our stock price is really just running up uh, because of speculation. And that's the thing you have to, you have to look out for. So I think um, there are similarities in there, but there are differences as well. And um, I would just encourage investors, like you always say every week, you know, hey, educate yourself. Uh, and be smart about your investing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. Andrew, always good to have you on the podcast. And I'll remind folks that uh, if you're looking for an easy way to listen to this each week, you know, maybe you're coming out to the site and you're listening to it via YouTube or the audio player that's on there or on your smartphone. We can You can actually listen to the podcast now right off your smartphone, right from theaverageguy.tv at, at the post. But uh, an easy way to make sure you do get it every week is to listen to that on Stitcher. Just head out to stitcher.com. It's available on Android and iPhone platforms, just about any browser you can think of, both PC and Mac. You can listen to the podcast. It's right there all aggregated for you and uh, no problem downloading it. Just go out to Stitcher.com, search for home tech. I'm sorry, search for financial tech. Home tech's the other one. Search for financial tech and uh, and get that set up. Many of you have, and you can get it each week as we make this podcast available to you. Be sure to visit Guide Rock Capital at GuideRockCapital.com. Follow Andrew on Twitter at Andrew D. Hunt and get all the show notes available out at TheAverageGuy.tv. For this episode, I think we are slash FT128. Andrew, I have a theory, the market's been doing well, and it started doing really well when we started podcasting. So I think we're probably, no, just kidding. Now, Andrew and I like to say thanks for listening, and we'll catch up with you next week. And like Andrew said, remember, be smart about your investing. GuideRock Capital Management, Inc., or GuideRock, is a registered investment advisor that is registered with the state of Nebraska and located in Omaha, Nebraska. GuideRock and its representatives are in compliance with the current registration requirements imposed upon investment advisors in the states in which they maintain clients. 
GuideRock may only transact business in those states in which it is registered or qualifies for an exemption or exclusion from registration requirements. Important information describing GuideRock's business operations, services, and fees can be viewed on the SEC's website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov. GuideRock will provide Form ADV Part 2, which serves as the firm's disclosure document to all clients. Copies of Form ADV Part 2 are also available to interested parties upon request. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. Past performance is not indicative of future results. No current or prospective clients should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, or product made reference to directly or indirectly on this video, website, or indirectly via hyperlink or any affiliated third-party website will be profitable or equal to past performance levels.